Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. It turns out that Twitter is not the only social media company that has collected cash from the FBI, but the agency won't divulge who else they've paid. Putting up more barriers at the southern border, CBP says it's offering multi-million dollar contracts to continue the construction of border barriers. Flight delays, cancellations, a powerful winter storm. The winter holidays are here, but Mother Nature has her own plans. The DEA seized a staggering amount of fentanyl in Los Angeles this year, enough to kill the entire population of Southern California. The FBI is staying mum on what other social media companies the federal agency gave money to. This after the FBI's payment to Twitter of almost $3.5 million was confirmed. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more. A Twitter employee wrote in a February 2020 email that the company's Safety Content in Law Enforcement, or SCALE, had collected nearly $3.5 million in less than two years from the FBI. The payments were reportedly for law enforcement-related projects. The email stated that SCALE had set up a reimbursement program in exchange for devoting staff hours to processing requests from the FBI and was entitled, Run the Business, We Made Money. Kellyanne Conway addressed the FBI's activities on Fox News. This is frightening to me as an American citizen to think that this is going on under the guise of some official operation. Conway is concerned about the First Amendment implications. They're sitting on the scales of free speech. They're sitting on the scales of justice. FBI officials remarked that the government is required to reimburse reasonable costs and expenses associated with their response to a legal process and that money for complying with legal requests is standard procedure. The FBI officials also said that Twitter isn't the only social media company that the federal agency provides compensation to, saying, quote, we don't just reimburse Twitter. The officials refused to elaborate on what other companies the FBI reimburses. Rand Paul wrote on Twitter that the FBI paid Twitter to censor speech. This is strong evidence of the government employing a private entity to censor. Meanwhile, Kentucky Congressman James Comer says the FBI was never granted any authority to create a disinformation task force to police the social media sites. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. U.S. Customs and Border Protection says it's accepting bids from contractors for construction of barriers along the southern border. Meanwhile, hundreds of migrants at the border are weathering out harsh temperatures, waiting for Title 42 to be lifted so they can cross into the U.S. Here's the story. U.S. Customs and Border Protection, or CBP, is accepting bids of up to $400 million per task for the construction of barriers and other infrastructure along the U.S.-Mexico border. The agency's posting says it's awarding five-year contracts involving design and construction of border infrastructure, including border barriers, anti-climb features, enforcement zones, roads, gates, bridges, drainage control, cattle guards, lighting, detection systems, cameras, towers, and communication fiber. The posting comes after the Biden administration this month announced that it will start work to close gaps along the border wall. Those gaps include seven in the Border Patrol's Yuma, Arizona sector and one in the El Paso, Texas sector. New work will also be performed in the San Diego sector, which covers western Arizona and part of eastern California. Construction costs for each contract range from $50 million to $400 million. Offers on the contracts are due by January 10th. Meanwhile, hundreds of immigrants formed a long line in the cold winter air at the U.S.-Mexico border on Thursday. 
They're waiting for border policy Title 42 to be lifted. Many hoped entry would be easier after December 21st deadline, when Title 42 was set to expire. But the U.S. Supreme Court this week ruled to let the policy temporarily stay in place. We are waiting. Here, they say one thing. Then half an hour later, they say something else. That's the situation. We don't know anything. They tell us that Title 42 has been extended until December 27th. But there's no response from the judge. There's no official information. So we have to stay here while there's no official information. Title 42 allows U.S. authorities to deport immigrants to Mexico before they seek asylum. The Biden administration has asked the Supreme Court to leave the policy in place until after December 27th. Customs and Border Protection has a cold weather warning for migrants trying to enter the country. Stay away. The agency put out a video statement urging people not to try to cross the southern border. It says below freezing temperatures over the next several days will make entering the U.S. extremely treacherous. It's not uncommon for illegal immigrants to die in the Texas desert after crossing into the U.S. even during normal weather conditions. Officials are warning migrants to remain at home or in safe shelters. The U.S. Embassy in Mexico issued a security alert to American citizens that's over potential cartel violence after the arrest of a top drug lord. The embassy says conflicts between police and criminals could erupt. Officials call on Americans to be aware of their surroundings, keep a high level of vigilance, and keep a low profile. They also urge citizens to monitor local media for updates and follow directions from local officials. Holiday travel is proving difficult for many Americans this year. The weather is wreaking havoc on many people's plans, but it hasn't stopped people from trying to visit their loved ones. Entity's Daniel Monahan has more on what travelers are going through leading up to Christmas. It is a holiday season some predicted could be the busiest ever, but the Arctic winter storm has plans of its own. Well, anytime folks are traveling during the winter holidays, weather is always a factor. We know that storms can settle in across many cities in the U.S., and we're going to be seeing that uh, starting tomorrow and through the weekend. At least five people have died in car accidents during the powerful storm. Airports are scrapping thousands of flights as the storm gathers strength. So actually, I was supposed to fly out yesterday, but I got a text message saying that my flight had been canceled completely. Over 4,400 flights were canceled over a two-day period. More than 8,000 were delayed Thursday. And uh, if you're not bundled up, if you don't have gloves, a hat, a nice pair of boots, probably some unders, some uh, long johns or whatnot, you will be cold. Southwest canceled 865 flights Thursday, about one-fifth of all its scheduled flights, and had already scrapped another 550 for Friday. Brandon got the bad news that his family's flight was canceled. Flustered. Um, we're trying to search on our phones, figure out other routes, maybe even taking a bus from here to Atlanta, which it'll take us about 21 hours. You could barely see the planes at Denver's airport on Wednesday. Flight attendants were having a hard time making it into work because of whiteout conditions. Kay Allen's flight was canceled. She managed to get another flight, but has to wait overnight at the airport. We're not really prepared to sleep here, to, to say the least. Like, I was prepared to entertain myself for a while for long layovers. Lonnie Fry got the bad news en route to his flight. We got on the bus to, to come from Boulder to the airport, and halfway here, 
our, our flight was canceled, so now we're here. Many U.S. airlines, including Delta, United, and American Airlines, said earlier this week they were waiving change fees and fare differences for passengers in affected areas. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Americans may want to be extra patient with deliveries of packages and presents this holiday season. The monster winter storm blasting much of the U.S. is causing delivery delays nationwide. FedEx issued a statement today saying its hubs in Indianapolis and Memphis suffered major disruptions. UPS announced a similar situation, saying services in some regions could also be affected. This once-in-a-generation winter storm is also causing significant travel problems this week. Miles of highway are shut down, and according to FlightAware, more than 3,000 takeoffs were canceled today because of bad weather. Greyhound Bus Lines is once again offering free rides to help people in need this holiday season. It's part of the transportation company's Home Free program. For 35 years, Greyhound has helped runaways, homeless persons, and exploited youth reunite with their families or legal guardians through a free bus ticket home or to a stable and safe place. Greyhound started the free program in 1987 to show its commitment to servicing communities nationwide. The partnership has helped over 18,000 families by providing free bus tickets. Heating bills are burning a bigger hole in American wallets. The National Energy Assistance Directors Association says the average cost of keeping a house warm this winter is about $1,200. That's a 17% increase from last year. Analysts say surging prices for natural gas and electricity are the main factors. This comes as a once-in-a-generation winter blast is blanketing much of the country. The National Weather Service says more than 100 million people are under winter weather and wind chill alerts. About one of every six U.S. families is behind on their utility bills. Salary expectations have reached its highest level in nearly a decade. That's according to the New York Federal Reserve's new labor market survey. It found the lowest salary that potential job applicants are willing to accept is nearly $74,000. That's the largest amount the survey has seen since it began in 2014. The increase was most pronounced among workers under 45 years old. But there is a positive for employers. Surveyors found that fewer workers were looking for a new job in November and more workers were satisfied with their wages, benefits, and promotion opportunities. And coming up, Texas has released the final phase of its 2020 general election audit of four counties. According to the report, one county came up lacking and has room for improvement. Governor Ron DeSantis has his wish granted by Florida's Supreme Court. A statewide grand jury will investigate any wrongdoing related to COVID-19 vaccines in the state. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. A Texas 2020 election audit revealed very serious issues in Harris County. At least 14 mobile ballot boxes could not provide proper chain of custody records for about 185,000 ballots. The county failed to provide documentation for the creation of 17 mobile ballot boxes, accounting for almost 125,000 cast vote records. And data for more than two dozen early polling places and eight election day polling locations did not match the electronic records.
Problems also included the storage of voting records. Overall, the state election audit report says Texas voters can have a very high level of confidence in the accuracy of Texas elections, that is, when state election code and local procedures are followed. It also stated that Tarrant County administered a quality, transparent election with minor findings, and Collin County proved to be the model of how to run elections in Texas. Two Minnesota counties have agreed to remove duplicate voter registrations from their voter rolls. This after an election integrity group sued them. Nicolette County and Hennepin County recently settled out of court after the Public Interest Legal Foundation, or PILF, discovered the problem and filed claims. Under the federal Help America Vote Act, states must implement a statewide voter registration list that is accurate and removes duplicate registrations. PILF spokeswoman Lauren Biss said that removing hundreds of duplicate registrations has made Minnesota's elections more secure, adding that every duplicate registration provides an opportunity for an individual to vote twice. New York Congressman-elect George Santos says he will address the scrutiny surrounding his resume next week. The newly elected Republican lawmaker tweeted Thursday that next week he will address inconsistencies on his resume and biography. Santos said in the tweet, I want to assure everyone that I will address your questions and that I remain committed to deliver the results I campaigned on, public safety, inflation, education, and more. The New York Times revealed Monday that parts of Santos's biography appear to be misleading, including his college education and employment history. Santos is expected to join Congress in January. The Republican National Committee has announced the dates for its 2024 National Convention. It will be July 15th to the 18th. It will be held in Milwaukee, where the RNC will formally select the next Republican presidential nominee. It approved Milwaukee as the host city back in August. Milwaukee was originally supposed to host the 2020 Democratic National Convention before it was switched to a virtual format due to the pandemic. The Democratic National Committee hasn't yet picked a city for its 2024 convention. Governor Ron DeSantis wants a statewide grand jury to investigate any wrongdoing related to COVID-19 vaccines. The Florida Supreme Court approved his request yesterday. The grand jury will run for a term of 12 months from the date of impanelment. DeSantis is seeking to investigate Pfizer and Moderna, as well as their executives. He's also asked for other medical organizations to be looked at, those involved in the provision of COVID vaccines in his state. One purpose of the probe will be to determine if any deceitful information was spread about vaccines that were said to prevent COVID-19 infection, symptoms, and transmission. Enough fentanyl to kill the entire population of Southern California. That's what the Los Angeles Division of the Drug Enforcement Administration says was seized this year in the region. The agency, in a tweet, said the amount equates to more than 7 million fentanyl pills, along with more than 1,000 pounds of fentanyl powder. DEA lab technicians estimate it's enough fentanyl to produce over 38 million potentially fatal overdoses of the drug. The agency says this is a stark reminder of the fentanyl threat that is destroying families across the nation. Los Angeles is labeled as a major transshipment hub for fentanyl and other drugs. Staying in California, a small plane crash-landed on Santa Monica Beach, just south of the iconic pier on Thursday. 
Eyewitness video showed the aircraft sitting upside down on the shoreline near the pier during sunset, surrounded by police and bystanders. The single-engine aircraft made an emergency landing on the beach. It was later towed away from the scene. According to the Los Angeles County Fire Department, two people were trapped in the wreckage. Rescuers extricated both passengers from the plane and sent them to the hospital. Authorities didn't give further details on their conditions. According to local media, the aircraft departed out of Santa Monica Airport on Thursday. Data from the flight recording show that the pilot originally planned to fly to Malibu, but began experiencing engine trouble near the Pacific Palisades. Racers, engineers, and entrepreneurs across the country are converting vintage cars into electric vehicles. In some cases, the modified rides are even faster than their gas-powered counterparts. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more. Car battery technology is advancing, and it means car enthusiasts are converting their classics into electrics, like Kevin Erickson with his 1972 Plymouth Satellite. This is my 1972 Plymouth Satellite, uh, which I now call Electrolyte. It's 100% battery electric. Uh, it's a conversion that I built as a, an experiment to try to revive or bring old cars into the future with the modern technology. Erickson embarked on a year and a half long project to modify the car into an EV. He used a motor, battery packs, and the entire rear subframe from a crashed Tesla Model S. He's put about $60,000 into the project. It's a zero to 60 in three seconds, and that's because of the 636 horsepower, top speed about 155, quarter mile, 12 second flat, uh, but it can still handle. This is not just a straight line car, it handles like a Corvette. Jonathan Klinger is vice president of car culture for Haggerty Insurance. He said converting classics into EVs is growing in popularity. Electric vehicles deliver some pretty astonishing performance uh, just by the nature of, of the mechanics of how they work. And so the fact that some people, even though it's a, a small percentage of the enthusiast population, are interested uh, for performance, um, it, it's not surprising to us at all. Sean Mudry co-owns Inspire EV, a small conversion business in suburban Denver. He recently modified a 1965 Ford Mustang. The year-and-a-half-long project cost more than $100,000. We thought more a year-and-a-half ago would be more niche or, or for people with super high budgets, you know? Uh, but I, I do think at this point this is going to be the future of electric car, or of, of hot rodding and uh, classic cars. Some estimate that the majority of vehicles at car shows could be electric within two decades or sooner. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Tesla is offering discounts on some of its key models in the U.S. this month. Its website showed on Wednesday that buyers can get a $7,500 reduction on Model 3 and Model Y electric vehicles. That's double the credit it has offered on the same cars delivered before the end of the year. The automaker also recently offered free supercharging for 10,000 miles for December vehicles. Tesla's move comes just days after the U.S. Treasury Department delayed restrictions on EV incentives until March. It means Tesla's and other U.S.-made electric vehicles are likely to temporarily qualify for the full $7,500 credit. Customers have canceled their orders and held off their purchases until the new credits take effect in January, and that has weighed on Tesla demand. The discounts are rare and follow a run of price hikes over the past couple of years. 
The automaker blamed supply chain disruption and inflation for that. In October, Tesla said it would miss its vehicle delivery target this year, but it downplayed concerns about demand after its revenue missed Wall Street estimates. Weighted blankets have been popular items recently, but Target is recalling one that it sold for years. The retailer is recalling more than 200,000 Pillow Fort brand weighted blankets for kids. The problem is children can get trapped inside the blanket if they unzip the cover. Target has received four reports of it happening. Two of the kids died. That was back in April, and the girls were four and six years old. The blankets were on Target's shelves from December 2018 until September this year. Anyone who bought one can return it for a refund. If you own a Samsung top-load washing machine, there's a recall you should know about. Samsung is recalling more than 650,000 machines with super-speed wash because of a fire hazard. The company says the machines can short-circuit and overheat. Samsung has received more than 50 reports of smoking, melting, overheating, or fires from the washers. Some cases resulted in property damage, and three people reported injuries from smoke inhalation. There is a software repair available. Details on the recall and the update can be found on Samsung.com. In the meantime, the company says to immediately stop using the washer. And just ahead, TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, admits that user data from two journalists was compromised. The admission comes as the company is under heavy scrutiny over privacy concerns and a proposed ban on government devices. In the wake of the blank paper movement, some overseas Chinese students share how they went from supporting the Chinese communist regime to protesting against it. We'll have the details when we return. Good to have you back. TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, admitted yesterday that some of its employees improperly accessed the user data of two journalists. The China-owned company says the people in question are no longer employed. The employees accessed the data as part of an unsuccessful effort to investigate leaks of company information earlier this year. According to internal sources, the aim was to identify potential connections between the two journalists and employees who were suspected of leaking information. The employees attempted to establish the journalists' location via their IP addresses. The admission comes after TikTok recently ramped up efforts to assure the U.S. government it won't be spying on U.S. citizens. That followed a proposal to bar federal employees from using the popular app on government devices. Next, we turn to some stories behind the blank paper movement happening among Chinese people. Some Chinese students in Canada shared what they described as their awakening stories with us, from being supporters of the Chinese regime to protesters fighting against totalitarianism. Here's what they had to say. Young Chinese people have largely stayed silent about the regime in past decades. But a recent fire incident in a Xinjiang neighborhood has triggered a shift. Road blockades, set up as part of local COVID-19 measures, blocked fire trucks from entering a neighborhood. Where a building had caught fire to rescue those inside. Protests across China against the country's zero COVID-19 policy followed. Because the protesters held blank sheets of paper, the movement has been dubbed the Blank Paper Revolution. Chinese nationals in other countries also held events to support the movement inside China. 
The Chinese language version of NTD spoke with some Chinese students in Canada to hear about why they've chosen to stand up against the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP. Supporting the Black Paper Revolution is something I think I have an obligation to do. I really love this country, China. I love these people. I want to protect them. I want to do something to end their suffering. I may be more concerned about certain values, such as freedom, fairness, human rights, and justice. Some protesters say they went through an awakening process. Some were among the ranks of China's so-called Little Pinks, a term used to describe young people who staunchly support the Chinese Communist Party. It is not a one-day issue to realize how vicious the whole system in China is. I have indeed been a relatively loyal little pink. But after getting in touch with the dark side of the Chinese Communist Party, I realized what really weighed on the Chinese people. It's the Communist Party. After this realization, Wester Yong became active in supporting freedom and democracy in China. Now he's the president of the Canada-based Assembly of Citizens, an association of students from China. Its mission is to fight, in its words, the totalitarian Chinese regime. Free Internet access is playing a big role in the shift for Chinese students. After breaking through the Internet blockade in China, I basically got a basic knowledge of those things the Communist Party covered up, like the June 4th Tiananmen massacre. After I came to Canada for college, I gradually started paying attention to the human rights lawyers in China. They say they hope the movement against the CCP will continue. On the road of anti-communism, no one is alone. I used to think that anti-communism was a choice, but now I think it's a responsibility. NTD News. China's three-time weightlifting Olympic champion Liu Xiaojun has been temporarily suspended after testing positive for a banned substance. This is according to the International Testing Agency, or ITA, on Thursday. The ITA says Liu returned the sample during an out-of-competition test on October 30th, and he tested positive for a prohibited peptide hormone. The ITA oversees the bulk of the International Weightlifting Federation's anti-doping program. The Chinese Weightlifting Association did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Last year, Liu became the oldest man to win Olympic gold in weightlifting. He claimed the 81-kilogram title in Tokyo. He also won gold at the 2012 and 2016 Olympics in the 77-kilogram category. And over in Japan, people are experiencing heavy snowfall in parts of the country. Eight people have died due to the extreme weather conditions. The snow has fallen along the Sea of Japan in northern and western areas of the country since December 17th. According to Japanese media, the winter storm has killed eight people and injured dozens as of this morning. Rural areas in Japan's Hokkaido observed over five feet of snow. The railway company there is suspending services due to the heavy snowfall. Weather officials called on residents to stay alert for blizzards today. Officials are also asking residents to refrain from non-essential travel until Monday, December 26th. Heavy snow could disrupt traffic and cause power outages. And if you have any tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. And coming up, three people are dead and several others were injured after a gunman opened fire in central Paris. Police say they have arrested a 69-year-old suspect. After marathon sessions in Parliament, controversial legislation passes in Scotland, enabling people as young as 16 to self-identify their gender. More shortly, here on NTD News Today.
A tragedy in central Paris today. A gunman opened fire at a community center, killing three people and injuring several others. The shooting occurred at a Kurdish cultural center and nearby Kurdish cafe. The street is lined with small stores and restaurants. Footage shared on social media shows paramedics taking an injured man to an ambulance. Police cordoned off the area of the incident. Authorities say they have arrested a 69-year-old man. Prosecutors said they were looking into a possible racist motive for the attack as an investigation into the incident was opened. Local media reported the suspect to be a French national. And staying in Europe, Belarus is still holding military drills with Russia on its own soil. The Belarusian Defense Ministry today released a video of the latest exercises. Footage shows tanks firing missiles and troops shooting rifles in nearby fields. On the audio is an unidentified Belarusian soldier commenting on how troops exchange military tactics. Belarus has repeatedly said it won't join Russia's war in Ukraine, and Moscow said the drills are meant for combat coordination. Earlier this week, Russian leader Vladimir Putin held talks with Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko. The meeting has sparked fears in Kyiv. Concerns are that Putin will open a new front against Ukraine and pressure his former Soviet allies to join its ground offensive. A Ukrainian general says Russia might step up its attacks in the coming spring. And talking about Russia, North Korea is denying reports that they supplied munitions to Russia. The allegation was first reported in Japan's Tokyo Shimbun newspaper. The report said that North Korea had shipped artillery shells to Russia via train through their shared border last month and that more were expected in the weeks to come. The White House said on Thursday a private Russian military company, the Wagner Group, took delivery of an arms shipment from North Korea to help bolster Russian forces in Ukraine. The U.K. also said it had come to the same conclusion and condemned the move. But Wagner's head, Evgeny Prigozhin, dismissed the talk as gossip and speculation. And North Korea's foreign ministry spokesperson said the report was groundless that, quote, the Japanese media's false report that our country offered munitions to Russia is the most absurd red herring. The statement did not make any mention of Wagner, and the Russian mission to the United Nations in New York did not respond to a request for comment. The Scottish Parliament has passed a controversial gender bill. It means an individual will be able to self-identify as a different gender without a medical diagnosis. But there have long been concerns these new laws could impact the safety of women and harm vulnerable children. It came amid protests from both sides of the debate outside Holyrood. Scottish National Party politician Joanna Cherry said she's received death threats for speaking critically about the bill. Here's NTD's Jane Worrell with more. And the Gender Recognition Reform Scotland Bill is passed. Members of the Scottish Parliament voted for the Gender Recognition Reform Bill by 86 to 39. From the public gallery, cheers from supporters. As well as people voicing their opposition. The next... We will suspend business... The new laws will lower the age for people who wish to legally identify as a different gender from 18 to 16 years old and remove the requirement for a medical diagnosis. Nine Scottish National Party members opposed the legislation, with one minister resigning over it this year. There are fears the new process could make it easier for sexual predators to pretend to be women. 
It comes amid protests outside Holyrood. Among those there was Edinburgh Southwest MP from the SNP, Joanna Cherry. She said she's been threatened and was sacked from a spokesperson role in Westminster for speaking critically about the laws. In my case, I was kicked off the SNP front bench for speaking up for women's rights and for lesbian rights. And I've also received rape and death threats. And as is a matter of public record, I've had no public support from my political party uh, despite those rape and death threats. So I think many parliamentarians are just trying to keep out of this debate because they're afraid to speak up. There were marathon debates with members of Scottish Parliament on Thursday, but it's not likely the end of the debate. The legislation could face a legal challenge from the UK government. Scottish Secretary Alistair Jack said after the final vote, Westminster will consider action in the Supreme Court. The new rules are expected to come into force next year. Jane Worrell, NTD News. Spanish police just busted one of the FBI's top 10 most wanted criminals. Authorities say this is the first such arrest to occur in the country. The fugitive is known as MJP, and he is a citizen of New Zealand. He was caught at a hotel in Madrid. MJP was sentenced to life in prison for sexual exploitation, sexual assault, and producing audiovisual pornography. Police said he recruited underage girls and young women by deception between 2012 and 2019. The suspects posted ads online claiming to offer modeling jobs, but were actually engaged in illegal recording. He paid other women to convince the victims that the footage wouldn't be published online. He earned more than $17 million from these activities. He then fled the U.S. and made it onto the FBI's top 10 most wanted list. To date, only 57 fugitives on that list have been caught outside the United States. An employee of Germany's Foreign Intelligence Service has been arrested on suspicion of treason. That's for allegedly passing secret information to Russia. The man was arrested in Berlin. He's a German citizen who was identified only as Karsten L., which is in line with German privacy rules. He's an employee of the Federal Intelligence Service, or BND. Authorities searched his apartment and workplace, and also the apartment of one other person. Prosecutors gave no details on the second person. They said the BND employee passed information he acquired in his work to a Russian intelligence service, which they didn't identify. The suspect was brought Thursday before a judge who ordered him held in custody pending a possible indictment. The investigation is being conducted in close cooperation with the BND. Croatia will start using Europe's common currency, the euro, starting January 1st. This marks a historic move three decades after the country split from the former Yugoslavia. Croatia's prime minister says they would be the only nation in history to join both the Schengen and Eurozones on the same day. The Balkan country will be the 20th to adopt the euro. Croatia's national currency is kuna. It was introduced after the country broke away from Yugoslavia. Croatia joined the European Union in 2013. To adopt the euro, the country must meet a stringent set of economic conditions, including having a stable exchange rate, low inflation, and sound public spending. The country is now ready for a currency switch. Most of the cash handling equipment has been adjusted to take euro banknotes and coins. Croatian kuna and euro will be in dual use for cash payments for two weeks. After that, cash transactions will be in euro only. And just ahead, champagne sales may hit a new high during the Christmas season, despite the rising inflation. Producers talk about this with optimism. 
And with Christmas just around the corner, we take a look at what makes the best mince pie. Stay tuned for more on that when we return. Welcome back. Here in the U.S., a Christmas dinner usually involves turkey, stuffing, and mashed potatoes, or maybe a Christmas ham with a side of scalloped potatoes. However, for most Poles, no Christmas would be complete without carp for dinner. But with prices rising, shoppers whose budgets are already stretched by surging inflation are having to spend more for their favorite festive fish. Poles hold their main celebration on Christmas Eve with carp as the centerpiece of a 12-dish feast that is traditionally meat-free. With inflation in Poland's economy deep in double-digit territory, fish farm owner Michal Gorski says rearing carp has become much more expensive. He's had to hike the price from last year's minimum of $4.10 per kilogram to $6.80. However, some shoppers, like Eva Hunkiewicz, aren't put off by the high price. I can't imagine Christmas Eve without carp. I can't imagine there could be some other fish on the table. I don't pay attention to the price. That's why I'm here. No matter how much it costs, it has to be served at the table. But a survey cited by Politica Weekly showed others may not feel the same. It said as many as 40% of respondents did not want to buy carp this Christmas. Another highlight of the Polish Christmas season is gingerbread. But not always as a snack. A Polish miniature rail company has built gingerbread cities for the holidays this year. Their designs came from two small towns in southern Poland. The gingerbread cities came equipped with churches, houses, medieval town halls, zoos, and castles. Some even feature the style of Grimm Brothers fairy tales. The winner of the 2019 International Cake Decorating Competition created the buildings. Each city required more than 300 eggs, almost 800 pounds of sugar, and hundreds of kilograms of honey and spices. The trains were made of chocolate. While the structures are intended to be ornamental, they're virtually safe to eat. Champagne sales are expected to reach a new record high this year. Despite inflation that could have made consumers shun the expensive bubbly, producers are optimistic going into Christmas and year-end celebrations around the world. Let's take a look. Champagne makers have a reason to celebrate. Sales of the expensive bubbly reached an all-time high last year with 320 million bottles sold. They expect the trend to continue this year. We have consumers who are perhaps less affected by inflation than others. And we notice that since the end of the pandemic crisis, people want to treat themselves. They want good products and they want to celebrate. He described this year's wine harvest in the French region of Champagne as miraculous. It was almost 50% above the five-year average due to good weather conditions. Export sales are also expected to reach record highs. Champagne's three main markets, the UK, Japan and the United States, are doing very well. I take the example of the United States. It's estimated that we have recruited one million consumers who have learned to consume champagne differently. They used to consume it outside of their homes, in restaurants or nightclubs. They continue to do so, but they are now also consuming it at home. 
Champagne prices have risen this year as winemakers passed on a hike in costs, notably for bottles and transport. As harvesting is done manually, the energy crunch has less impact than on more energy-intensive sectors. With Christmas almost upon us, we take a closer look at one of the staple delights, the mince pie. Mince pies date back to the 13th century with recipes brought over from the Middle East during the Crusades. They used to include meat, but now they're filled with fruit, and they weren't always circular. NTD's Malcolm Hudson found out what makes the best mince pie. Mince pies, delicious mince pies. They are a quintessentially British tradition that dates back as far as the Crusades. Their recipe has changed many times over hundreds of years. But what goes into the composition of the perfect pie? Opinions abound about the perfect mince pie. So to answer this question, I asked the experts. The perfect mince pie, it has to be really sweet, has to have like a crunchy outside, and you have to be able to like take it apart. And the raisins in the middle have to be like soft, like some bits tender and soft, and then some bits like full raisins. And it has to be full and massive. I do prefer it with an open top so you can see the mincemeat inside, less pastry, and it has to be with brandy cream. Brandy cream? Every time, the extra thick stuff. Do you like big mince pies, small mince pies? Um, do you like them with lots of filling or a little bit? Um, just a little bit. Um, I don't um, like the big, like really big mince pies. I like like the normal sized mince pies. I feel like they mix it up quite a lot and sometimes they put more fruit in and I quite like that. Yeah, so give me quite a bit of filling and not too thick a pastry um, and lots of flavour. Filled with fruit and flavoured with spices, mince pies are a Christmas staple. But they weren't always vegetarian. The mince meat used to contain real meat. They can be traced back to the 13th century, with European crusaders bringing back recipes from the Middle East. Nowadays, the average person eats roughly 20 pies over the season. That's according to a recent survey by food and drink news site Tasted 55. Located in what could be called the mince pie capital of the world, the Mr. Kipling factory in Barnsley, South Yorkshire, can knock out over 2,000 pies per minute. And it's estimated that Brits consume some 800 million each year. Certainly, it's a big industry. So while you're tucking into a delicious mince pie this Christmas, why not ask your family, what do you think makes the perfect pie? Malcolm Hudson, NTD News, London. Your Christmas dinner could contain nearly a quarter of a million pieces of microplastic. Researchers say there's no such thing as microplastic-free food anymore due to high concentrations of microplastic in the soil and the air. Researchers have looked into how many microplastics there are in a typical roast chicken dinner, very similar to a Christmas dinner. Food is usually analyzed raw for microplastics under laboratory conditions, but this study looked at what was actually on your plate after the food had been cooked in a normal kitchen. So today we are cooking a fresh dinner with fresh produce and not wrapped in plastic. And then we will be cooking one that is wrapped in plastic um, to see uh, if there is a difference in the number of microplastics on your plate between the two. The researcher found that the meal made from ingredients wrapped in plastic contained almost seven times more microplastics by weight than the non-plastic wrapped one. If you were eating an equivalent wrapped dinner, 
every day for a year, you'd be eating about 10 grams of plastic. That's the equivalent of two of these a year. Microplastics have been found in the soil, the air and the ocean. So unfortunately, there's no such thing as a, a microplastic-free food now, I think. Researchers have also found microplastics in the blood, the gut and various human organs. But we don't know what, if any, harm it's doing to us. All we have established now that it is there in the body and it is there in the body, staying in the body in, a, a, in, in you know, significant quantities. What we don't know is that what is it doing there? You know, that's the research. Global plastic production is projected to double within 20 years, while the amount of plastic waste flowing into the world's oceans is forecast to triple in the same period. Spending time in snowy environments can help improve self-esteem, according to a recent study by psychologists from the UK and Poland. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on gaining confidence in the cold. Are you confident? According to a team of scientists from Poland and the UK, surroundings like these can be clinically beneficial for people who have a poor body image. Beren Swamy is a professor of social psychology and the senior author of the study. In our previous research, we've shown that um, exposure to natural environments or, or nature in, in very simple terms is associated with more positive body image. People who spend time in nature experience an immediate benefit in terms of, uh, in terms of their positive body image. Swami and his team carried out an experiment on a group of 87 women. They wanted to see if snow provided the same benefits as other environments. All previous studies have focused on what we call green or blue spaces. These are spaces that are essentially green, like forests, or have some water, um, like a riverside or the beach. The study participants took tests and answered standard medical questions before and after they took a walk in a snowy woodland. It's never been ex examined whether a white, white natural environment, so a snow-capped environment, will have the same effect, and that's what we set out to test in this particular study. The researchers say there were improvements in both mood and self-esteem. After 40 minutes, people scored higher in body appreciation and self-compassion. In very simple terms, going for a walk in a snow-capped environment had an immediate positive effect on body appreciation or, or positive body image. Swami wants to do more studies to see if snow is more restorative than other natural landscapes. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Coming up, what are the best movies to watch at Christmas? Residents of different states talked about their own choices. Details to come on NTD News Today. If you want to live like Santa Claus, plan to pay a pretty penny for a North Pole pad. Zillow says Chris Kringle's property is now worth over a million dollars, $1,154,137 to be exact. Of course, the property is not real, but still, that's a value jump of 12% over the past year. According to the real estate listing website, St. Nick's home sits on 25 acres and was constructed in the 1800s. It features three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and a floor-to-ceiling fireplace. There's also accommodations for the elves and a gourmet kitchen for baking. Zillow first listed the fictional property six years ago for just over $650,000. Since then, the site says the property's value has soared 77%. 
Christmas time has finally arrived, a time to take a break from all the hustle and bustle, to be together with loved ones and rejoice in family and friendship. There's nothing like a nice mug of hot cocoa and the sound of popcorn crackling into life on the stove top, and a favorite holiday film on top of that, Sublime. Let's take a look at which films people in each state most like to watch on Christmas. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the story. At the heart of many a Christmas tale is the question, what is the true meaning of Christmas? Judging by the data, if Christmas were about movies, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation would be its holy grail. The film is a state favorite in a whopping 80% of the country. This holiday season, the Griswolds are... Wishlisted ran the top 25 films from IMDb's top 100 Christmas movies of all time through every state on Google Trends. Here are the results. From the top 25 movies, only eight made it to the state favorite status. Those are Die Hard, Edward Scissorhands, Steven Spielberg's hit 1984 film Gremlins, It's a Wonderful Life, Love Actually with Emma Thompson and Colin Firth, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and the Christmas classic The Shop Around the Corner with James Stewart from 1940. Wishlisted ranks Christmas Vacation as the most popular Christmas movie in the U.S with 40 states Googling the film the most. The film was released in 1989. It debuted at number two, taking the top spot in the box office charts in its third week of release. Viewers just couldn't take their eyes off the slow rolling train wreck of Chevy Chase as Clark Griswold. It's a Wonderful Life is the country's second favorite holiday movie. Wonderful people get into the swim, it's a wonderful life. The 1946 American Christmas fantasy drama film was based on the short story and booklet The Greatest Gift. That booklet was actually itself roughly derived from the 1843 Charles Dickens novella A Christmas Carol. The film stars James Stewart as George Bailey, a man who has set aside his personal dreams in order to help those around him. George's thoughts of suicide on Christmas Eve result in a visit from his guardian angel. Alaska, Hawaii, Idaho, and Wyoming chose this classic as their number one. It also made it to the top five for 38 other states. Although only reaching number one in Arkansas, Die Hard made it to the top five for 38 states. That makes it America's third favorite holiday movie. A New York cop, John McLean, has come to see his wife. Die Hard is a 1988 American action film. It is based on the 1979 novel Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe. The movie follows New York City police detective John McClane. It's Christmas Eve and he's trying to get home to his family. He ends up getting tangled up in a terrorist attack on a Los Angeles skyscraper. The fourth favorite Christmas movie in the U.S. is The Nightmare Before Christmas by Tim Burton. An extraordinary world filled with magic and wonder. The 1993 movie tells the story of Jack Skellington. Jack is the king of Halloween Town who happens upon Christmas Town and soon endeavors to take over the holiday. Meanwhile, rounding out fifth place is Home Alone, which tells the tale of Kevin McAllister. Did we miss the flight? No, you just made it. Yeah! They forgot one small thing. His family accidentally leaves him behind on their Christmas vacation to Paris. He ends up being forced to defend his suburban Chicago home from robbers. Now it's time for some fun facts about Christmas films in the U.S. 
Which state is most obsessed with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Well, that would have to be Iowa. According to Wishlisted, a mere four states didn't have Christmas Vacation in their top five. Those are Georgia, North and South Dakota, and the U.S. Territory, Puerto Rico. Another interesting tidbit is that people across the nation most search for Christmas movies on Christmas Day itself. Just two of the 25 movies on our list didn't place in the top five anywhere. Trading Places with Eddie Murphy from 1983 and Silent Night from 2002. As far as genres go, comedy, drama, and fantasy are the most frequent of the eight state-favorite Christmas films. Seven of the films are from at least one of those genres. Now for some outliers. Only 12 locations don't search for Christmas Vacation the most when trying to find a Christmas movie. Most of these states have low populations. In fact, the five least populous states in the U.S. all prefer a film other than Christmas Vacation. Arkansas folks are tough, so their choice is a no-brainer. Die Hard starring one of America's favorite tough guys, Bruce Willis. Well, Georgia does have a great counterculture community in Little Five Points, Atlanta, and Edward Scissorhands sure would fit right in there. Puerto Rico and Vermont both go in for the weird on Christmas Day with their choice of gremlins. Something about the beautiful nature of Hawaii, Alaska, and Wyoming, or perhaps plains in the case of Idaho, makes their selection of It's a Wonderful Life completely understandable. North Dakota folk must be romantic as they came with love actually from 2003 while their southern brother South Dakota and the District of Columbia like it freaky with The Nightmare Before Christmas. And last but not least is Delaware with the shop around the corner from 1940. Well, hey, it's Delaware. Where is that again? Would it interest you to know which states have the most Christmas spirit? Utah did the most searching for the top 20 Christmas movies. It came out on top with a whopping 12 spots in the top five. Not to be outdone, West Virginia came in second as a top five searcher for 11 movies, and New Hampshire came in third with seven. In which states are the biggest Grinches? That's Hawaii, Florida, Mississippi, New York, and Louisiana. These states did not make it into the top five searchers for any of the movies on the list. Now be sure to listen to your mom and watch your posture, and don't stuff yourself with too much popcorn. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Here at NTD, we want to wish you a safe and happy Christmas and holiday season. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.